Bride Tribe, Yeshua. Before we go forward, let's pay homage to our sponsors. Omega's Closet, something old, something new, something borrowed, something you. Go to omegascloset.net to find something just for you. Omega's Closet sells trendy women's clothing and trendy thrift clothing. And you can also borrow dresses. So if you have a event or a wedding or just going somewhere special or nice, whatever you need, you can find it at Omega's Closet. So go to omegascloset.net and Omega's Closet on Instagram. Zara Bella Pro. Looking for a hairstylist in the DFW area? Do not hesitate to reach out to Princess Adetutu at Zara Bella Pro. She specializes in natural hair care, also human hair extensions and applications, color, styling, cutting, anything you need. This girl does it all. So if you want to find her on Instagram, you type in at Zara, Z-H-A-R-A-B-E-L-L-A dot pro and you can book her on Style C for your next fabulous style. And lastly, visit the African Rose Foundation, the African Rose on Instagram, and figure out how to get involved in what we have going on this year, and also how you can support us by making donations. So brides, I am so excited to be here, and I'm so excited about this topic today. This topic today is about intimacy. Last week, we just introduced you all to what the Bride Tribe is all about and how the Bride Tribe plans to execute this understanding and this relationship with Christ as husband. And it is time to talk about how to get close to him. What does that really mean? What does it mean for Christ to be husband, what does it mean to be intimate with Christ? People who've known me, you know, growing up as a kid, or people that have known me, you know, in my, you know, my twenties and my early twenties, they recognize that I don't talk the same. I don't look at situations the same. I don't get excited about what I used to get excited about. I am completely just, I'm impacted. You know, I don't think I'm completely transformed, <laughs> but I think that I'm, I'm I'm going through transition. I'm, you know, the, the, the process of believing in Christ and following Christ and being spiritually inclined is um, it's long and it's enduring, but it's so beneficial and it's gratifying as you continue to embark on these different levels of spirituality and these different levels of understanding and these different levels of wisdom. It's so, um, it's transformative. You see yourself in a completely different light. You disassociate yourself from a lot of things um, that no longer serve you or that no longer give you life. And you start to be impactful and you start to be exactly what Jesus would, would want you to be, what Jesus would be if he, was, if he was walking in your shoes. And so, of course, we can't be exactly like him. But building this intimacy with him changes your perspective. It changes how you move. It changes 
what you seek. It changes your desires. You know, the farther you are from him, the easier it is for the devil to intervene and for the devil to convince you that another path is better for you. And so building the intimacy is necessary to keep evolving, to keep going forward, because you're going to be approached by opportunities to take you off of your track. You know, just imagine you walking down a road and you're going down a pathway and, you know, every now and again, you'll see someone hanging to the side of the road and they know that you're thirsty. And so they offer you water, but they offer you water with strings attached. And so they'll say, y'all, I'll give you this water. Yeah, I'll give you this water. But if I give you the water, I need for you to give me something in return. And so as you're walking down this path and you're going through it, people are, are um, convincing you. Or as you're walking down this path, people are trying to get a piece of you. And by getting a piece of you, it throws off that equilibrium that you need to be spiritually sound. Every time someone takes a piece of you, you have to regain it if you're going to keep walking down this path. Yeah, you can stay there, you know, if you like the water. But the longer that you stay there, the lesser and the lesser you become spiritually. Because if you're here, you're not you're not walking on this on this path of spiritual alignment. You, you know, you become uh, stagnant. Your spirituality and your, your spiritual growth become stagnant because although someone is giving you this water, it's not the type of water that Jesus gives you. It's not the type of water that replenishes you, that makes you stronger, that makes you want to keep going. Yeah, he has water, but his water is like sewer water, <laughs> you know, but it's clear. It looks like water, but it came from the toilet, <laughs> And so you don't know that as you're drinking it, you're becoming defiled and you're becoming more and more like him because he's drinking the water, too. And you're becoming sick and you're becoming um, unbalanced and you're becoming angry. And, you know, you don't believe that there's water ahead of you. And so you stay there because you don't want to get thirsty again, even though the water that you're drinking makes you sick, even though it quenches your thirst. So walking on this path, you have a choice to stop or keep going. You continuing to go is believing that you're going to embark on a stream, you know, or a well of water, or you're going to embark on, on a woman or a man down the road that was actually sent by God and not the devil to replenish you and give you water that doesn't make you sick and give you water that quenches your thirst and give you water that doesn't make you thirst for another couple miles. And that relationship, that trust that's built on knowing that God has something better and also knowing that that man that offered you water wasn't sent from God. So that intimacy is very important as you navigate this life because it gives you sense of direction, a sense of peace. Um, it doesn't give you a sense of peace. It gives you peace. It gives you a sense of direction. And it also gives you confirmation 
comfort and it builds trust because you left that knowing that it wasn't from God and you believed that before you fell out and died from lack of hydration, God was going to bring you that water and he was going to bring you that water that didn't stop you on that track, but gave you the energy and the strength to keep going. People don't understand why they should be intimate with God, why they should be intimate with Yeshua. But this is why. Because you want to evolve spiritually. We are physical beings. We are physical, (laughs) metaphysical souls. But we're also spirits. And the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit tells us yes or no. Eat or don't eat. Drink (laughs) or don't drink. Listen or don't listen. Hearken to the voice that you hear on the inside. This is why people have a hard time understanding Christians, or better yet, genuine followers of Christ. Because the way that they perceive the world is completely different. Because once you start interacting with a divine power, with a divine presence, physical things become nothing. They become unimportant. They become small. Once you have had an interaction with the divine presence and the divine power, physical things are fleeting to you. They come and they go. And so you have to endure. You have to be patient. You have to be faithful. You got to be loyal. And you got to be vigilant because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy your joy, your peace, your life, and most importantly, the love that you have in your heart. And so what is intimacy? Let's just look at the definition really quickly. The definition of intimacy is close familiarity or friendship closeness, the intimacy between a husband and wife, closeness, togetherness, affinity, rapport, attachment, confidentiality, friendliness, um, companionship, amity, affection, warmth, understanding, fellow feeling, a private cozy atmosphere, an intimate act, especially sexual intercourse. And so there's, there's, there's different levels of intimacy. You know, and intimacy is a deep connection. It's a friendly connection. It's a familiarity. It's like a relationship. It's like, you know, that feeling that you have for that person that you can see physically, that person that you have around you all the time, the one you call when you're having a problem. You know how you call your friend when something bad happens. That is intimacy. And when you think about it, when a relationship first starts, it starts out kind of like strange and unknown and uncertain, right? And over time, as each person shows vulnerability and as you two begin to understand each other's vulnerabilities and insecurities and, you know, experiences in a space of no judgment, 
once you guys continue to go back and forth, you get to know one another and it becomes more comfortable and more natural and just more automatic. And you begin to appreciate it and you have love for the person. You grow love for this person. You grow attachment to this person. This person becomes a part of your life experience. You know, this person becomes a part of your moment in this in this lifetime. And you trust this person. And you... You share experiences with this person and moments with this person. And you guys are able to reflect on the moments. And, um, and, and you're able to compassionately embrace one another. Because you're able to understand them. And so this is the same type of intimacy that God is, that he wants with us. And people have a hard time understanding that, but this is the same type of intimacy that he wants with us. And how do you have an intimacy with someone you cannot see and maybe someone you don't even believe in? And that's valid. It's easier to be intimate with someone that you can see, feel, and hear. But at the same time, the intimacy with Yeshua is the same way. Someone that you can see, Feel in here because in this <laughs> in this um, spiritual reality, seeing is not with your eyes. Seeing is with your ears and hearing is not with your ears. Hearing is with your senses. It's with your it's with your senses. It's, it, actually, hearing is actually with your eyes. <laughs> because you'll see signs and wonders. And that's literally hearing. And, um, you know, somebody that you can physically touch is the reality because of who he lives in. And even though he's not the one hugging you, he sent someone to hug you. He's in someone that is hugging you. And so the physical is there. The senses are receiving him. The touch is through him. When you are broken down on the side of the road and someone comes, and instead of them trying to rape you or be malicious towards you, they just simply help you, that's because of him. No one knew you were over there, but something touched someone else's heart and that person pulled over in the cold and in the rain to make sure that you got to your next destination. That is how it works. And because of that, that's how the intimacy becomes more strengthened and it becomes stronger and it becomes um, consistent. And, it, and it's, it's, it's just like a regular experience with Yeshua. But it doesn't happen the way people intend for it to happen. And I always say this because when I gave my life to God, I was 23 years old. I was living in Atlanta. I was a college student. You know, I didn't care for authority. I had my own mind. I did my own thing. Um, I didn't like the way, you know, things were happening, you know, with my family. And I just really went and just accepted that I was on my own. And during this time, I was 
I was presented with so much. I was presented with drugs, with cocaine. I was presented with marijuana. I was presented with drinking. I was presented with partying. I was presented with, um, you know, uh, having to be responsible for myself. And I had to, I, I had to get to this place where, I mean, everything was going very bad, but I don't regret anything that I went through because I remember, you know, being high and talking to God. And I remember having a journal and talking to God in my room. In Atlanta, I had a roommate. And, you know, and, you know, they would sit there and, you know, they would party and they would do drugs, and, you know, sometimes I had partied with them. And then I come back to my room, and I feel guilty that I was high all night, that I partied all night. I would feel guilty about that. I lost my car. <laughs> I, I lost my car, and I remember it was snowing outside, and it was the worst time in Atlanta. It was 2010. It was the worst time in Atlanta to be on a bus. But you know what? I had to do what I had to do. I was doing hair. That was my only means of income. I had to pay booth rent every week. And I know God was sending my clients. I was posting ads on Craigslist to, to get my clients. And I was, you know, I was I was an okay, you know, hairstylist. I did I did pretty good weaves. You know, I knew the people that came were sent to me. I knew they were sent to me. I knew that they were, they were his people. And so slowly but surely, I started seeing a trend. I started seeing that he always sent just enough. It was always just enough. And it was during this time where I was really going back and forth. It was a little bit before that when I had had this experience, um, you know, as I was dibbling and dabbling with, you know, with drugs and with marijuana, I I had this experience where I had a very, 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 very intimate encounter with God. And it blew me away because I really didn't know where it came from. I I didn't know God like that. I really didn't. And this was actually before I turned 23, but I didn't know him like that. I, I didn't I didn't know how real he was. And so at this time I was twenty two and I had this very intimate encounter with God and I remember it was right when Obama had got elected. And it was such a scary feeling. I remember calling one of my friends and telling her, like, Wow, you know, Kendra, God is all about relationships. And it was the very thing that I did never did good at. I was I was always outcasted I was always singled out you know when I was younger um you know not to play the victim because sometimes I was the aggressor but you know I was aggressive because of other things that I was dealing with but I did not trust people at all and um you know I had really close friends but at the same time I didn't trust that they were genuinely happy and I, I just, I, I never believed in long-term relationships because I never saw the long-term relationships, you know, and they never really made me feel good about myself, ultimately. Um, 
you know, I know they, I knew they came with their ups and downs and I just never experienced this intimate relationship that lasted a long time. It just, it was just something that was just so foreign to me. And so I always looked at people as, you know, people that would come and go people that were there one moment and um, you just wait until they tell you they're leaving. So I always had this fear of abandonment. And when I had this encounter with God, I realized that the intimacy with people was important to him. Relationship was very important to him because it's people that reveal the condition of our hearts. How we interact with people reveals the condition of our hearts. And if your heart is in a bad condition, you'll see it in your interaction with people, not the people that you love, not the people that are easy to love, but the people that are hard to love, the people you don't know, the strangers, um, the people that have done you wrong, the people that do you right. The interaction with the people reveals your heart. And when he showed me how important relationships were to him, it, it revealed the condition of my heart and the condition of my heart was not good. It was not well. It was very afraid of love, of intimacy, of abandonment, of vulnerability, all these things. And so I So I asked God, show me. Show me how to do this. Show me how to show up. Show me how to be something I've never seen. Show me how to have a compassionate heart. Show me how to build relationships. Show me how to build long-term relationships. Show me what that looks like. Show me what that feels like. Show me how not to be afraid of it. Because what you're telling me right now is foreign to me. You're who are you talking to me? Because you must not know me. And I remember having this experience and going to my mother's house and letting her know that God is so concerned with who we are on the inside, our innermost self, not the tangible things, not the lifestyles, not the classes, not any of that. None of that is important. It's all about your innermost self. Because it's your innermost self that is meant to evolve in this lifetime. It's your innermost self that's meant to transition and transcend from this experience. And until you get it right, by the grace of God, you get to, con- you, you get to relive this experience. You get another chance. Over and over again. Until the condition of your heart transcends into its divinity. And I wanted that. I wanted my heart to transcend. I wanted my soul to be freed. And so it was a tough, it was very tough for me. God told me things that I never imagined I would do. He said I would go to Jerusalem. Said, you need to go to Jerusalem. And I told my I said, I need to go to Jerusalem. And my mom thought I was crazy. She was literally ready to call the mental health people to come pick me up. She called my grandmother, who's very spiritual, who went through these same experiences as a as a um, teenager and as a as a child and even as a young adult. She saw angels and 
all these things that people thought she was crazy for. And my auntie wanted to take her to a mental home. And if it wasn't for my my uncle and his presence in the spirit and his intimacy with God, he wouldn't have recognized how anointed her life was. And so God doesn't let us be crazy. <laughs> Thankfully, if you waited out long enough, you will see that you're not crazy. But he's not here to prove to anyone else that he's talking to you. He's here to prove it to yourself. He doesn't want you to get a big ego about him. He just wants you to love him more and trust him more and be more open to him and be more intimate with him and talk to him more about your problems. Even if you don't, even if you don't think that you're worthy or you're good enough, it's like he gets you more than you get yourself. He knows you more than you know yourself. And so all these things he told me over time, it, it built my trust with him. I remember telling my sister during this time, I said, Khadija, I don't know what God is doing with me. I don't know him very well, but I know he exists now. He's real. And I said, Khadija, I'm going to live in paradise. What, what we've experienced with our family and what we continue to experience is hell. And God has shown me that there is better than this. There is freedom. And I believed him. And I literally fought my way out of this whole situation. And he, he showed me the evil that was happening, the evil that was persisting amongst me. He showed me the curse. He showed me everything. And he, he showed me that I was going to have to be on my own and I was going to have to leave everybody behind. Family, friends, mothers, sisters. If I wanted to know him. Because where he was or who he was and how he was could not dwell where I was and who I was around. And so when I turned 23 and I moved out on my own, like I said, I was living with a roommate and we were partying and, you know, you know, it was it was speculated that I was, you know, I was doing drugs and I, I was I was experimenting, you know, in a controlled way. It was very moderate, you know, but <laughs> to most people, it was like, oh, my gosh, she's all the way down there. And, and, but I wasn't I wasn't. But I was I was experimenting um, with partying, you know, with with drugs that you know, wasn't good for me. It was ecstasy and it was, you know, it was cocaine and marijuana. Very moderate. And it was like most of the times when I would go out and party or something like that. But it really, <laughs> once, you know, and, and I remember confessing this to my mom, you know, during this whole time of, you know, having this inner, this encounter with God. And she just thought I was like down through there, like Whitney Houston type. And I dealt with that. But it really, you know, her reaction to it kind of made me rebel in a sense, but it also made me not. And so it was like her reaction to it and, and how she responded and, you know, and she shared it with a couple of people in the family. And I was very hurt by that. But her doing that actually, um, you know, I don't know if it was meant to harm me, but her doing that made me not do it. It made me not want to be that because I'm, I'm in college. I'm, 
I'm going to try to get my psychology degree and, and people don't hear stuff like that about me. I'm, you know, and, and it made me just want to hold on to that value and not give up on myself, not give up on life. Because I was at a point where I did want to give up. I was promiscuous and didn't really know my way and never really had a real relationship with a man for a long term. You know, I had dealt with a broken heart when I was 19 and from there, it just kind of went downhill. <laughs> and I felt like I couldn't get out of that. I was very embarrassed for myself. And I felt like I couldn't escape that experience. For whatever it was, I I, um, I stayed in my room and I talked to God. And I said, you know, if you're real, show me something. Reveal yourself to me. Do something. And I remember in Atlanta, I was going to this church called Destiny. And um, that is when I uh, joined a, a group and I started going. And, you know, I started hearing the pastor talk about how God talked to him. And I remember just kind of being jealous. And I always remember the pastor saying, like, you know, if, if you're in here, let us know. You know, I always felt like I needed to stand up because I always felt like I was, I was the one that was in there. But ultimately, I met a group of very, very beautiful women, very very, very beautiful women embarking on this same journey. It was like, you know, your in, your introduction, when you try to become a member of a church, they put you through like a curriculum, an introduction in a small church group. And I had my small church group and I was with them and everything was always spiritual and simple. And I wanted complicated and crazy and radical and erratic and or erotic. And I was really struggling to balance the two. And so I did that group for a a good while and I made really good friends with them but at the same time I was not clean I was not clean I was not ready but I still took the steps because I wanted to feel something I wanted to believe I wanted to know that he was real because I had a hard time believing that he was I, I needed proof and I didn't know how to receive it I didn't know what it meant I didn't know how it felt but I wanted it and I got baptized because that was a part of finishing the group and I got baptized and that was the best day of my life because I knew I was transformed. I was being transformed. I was going through a process. And while I'm going through this process, some of my old little, you know, my little old little fling started reaching out to me and I went back and I, I had like a whole bag of ecstasy. I remember. And I didn't, I couldn't finish it. Like it was literally just sitting in my drawer in my bathroom for months. And when this old fling had reached out to me, I felt like I needed to take it because I felt like it made me more erotic and sexual and um, interesting. I didn't really think I was interesting enough for this person because he was so fine and he looked like Tyson Bedford. And, you know, like, why does he want me? I've got to show up and be fun and no that's exactly how that happened and my mind couldn't really conceive him I felt very low and little and it was hard for me because I had just finished a Daniel fast and during this Daniel fast I had just uh, worked out this uh, business arrangement with a salon owner to allow me to rent out a few chairs and to start you know my my weave sewing business and 
market to customers and clientele and people were coming and everything was going really well. And for the first day that I held interviews, he was dropping me off, you know, and me and him had just engaged and, and then he would go away and then he'll come back. It, it was just like every time I was, I was getting ready for a spiritual, some type of spiritual breakthrough or some type of spiritual, um, like advancement. Right. So some type of divine advancement, just kind of growing and going on another level. The devil would come back around and he was the devil and he would come back around every time because the devil like lame. If you really think about it and and I hope he can hear me. (laughs) The devil is so lame. He's so obvious, you know, with his um, with his approaches sometimes, you know, when you're when you're when you're a babe in Christ, it gets me he gets more complicated. But when you're a babe in Christ, he uses like the the smallest things. He uses the smallest things, you know, to try to take you off of your track and take you off of your path. He does. And you are not vigilant at that time. You don't know. And so you don't know how you're being affected in the spiritual realm. You don't know what's being locked up and locked away in the spiritual realm, your blessings that are that are being held up because the devil is prevailing against you because you're not passing these small tests because you don't really know that they're tests. And so I kept failing these tests. And so on that night that I took that ecstasy and I was like, and, you know, the dude, you know, we engaged and he just I felt used and abused and lonely again and that's when I said enough is enough after that fast I felt God in a different way and I remember it was 2011 I felt God in a different way I I felt him I would listen to um never would have made it that was my favorite song Never could have made it without you. I could have lost it all. That song changed my life. And he saw the best in me. So shout out to Marvin Sapp. (laughs) Shout out to Marvin Sapp for that. Because music, the ministry of music is powerful. We need to feel something. And, And that song literally was the the intermediary for me and God at that time. It was the spirit literally surrounding me through music. And I was so hopeless. But God literally kicked me and my roommate out of this apartment. We had nowhere to go. I still had no car. But it wasn't until, and, and what's so crazy is that before this happened, I was comp- everything was fine, but God was like, okay, now that you're with me, you're not going to be able to live your life and be with me. So I'm going to start taking things away from you so that you can seek me. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time. So my car got towed away. I got kicked out of school. I was literally on the bus. And I just kept going. And I said, you know what? It's going to get better. But I started seeking God because I'm like, something has to change. Something has to be different. I'm 23 now. Something has to be different. And so it was. It was. It did get different. And... um. Slowly but surely, he started adding to me. So when we got kicked out, I had moved in with somebody, and I was going through bankruptcy. I remember I moved in with someone, and I I was able to get my car back, which I was so grateful for. I worked my butt off for this car. 
I was reaccepted back into school and I was able to get some financial aid and I was able to pay my car, um, you know, for my car to get fixed. And it was just such a blessing. I started to see things unfold through him. I did. I started to see things unfold through him. And that was the beginning of the intimacy. That was the beginning. And even though it didn't just quite completely happen um, all the way, you know, through that, it, it didn't just completely change, but it started. That's when it started, you know, and um, I just started developing this like, 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 I just, this likeness for him, this likeness of him. I started developing that. I started trying to see things differently. I started trying to deal with people differently, but I was still dealing with what I grew up dealing with. I, it wasn't, everything wasn't completely clear to me because I didn't have a discipline to continue getting to know him. I, I kind of like, you know, separated myself from the group that I had and completely distanced myself as if we ever, we never even knew each other. And I started slowly but surely like creeping back into my old ways. And, you know, the Bible says better for those that do not know than for those that do know. And so at that point I did know, but at that point I was his. And so even though I was creeping back into my old ways, I was still intimate with him. I still talked to him. I still prayed. And, and ever since I was a little girl, I prayed. I always pray every night before I go to bed. My grandfather taught me how to pray. And so I, I never stopped praying. But I just started, you know, I prayed. And we would have our moments every now and again. And every time I met somebody who, you know, was spiritually inclined, we would have these conversations. And it would make me feel so good. I would look at the moon and the stars and, and just show gratitude for everything that he's done, for everything that he is. And I just had this awakening that I was going to be someone because of who I'm attached to. And it was it was an empowerment. And then I would start talking to my clients about God and how we would start having these experiences and these feelings. And, you know, I, I wasn't completely healed, completely healed. I wasn't completely free. But it was just little by little and experience by experience that made me more and more attuned. And I probably said some crazy things along the way and, you know, that kind of made people feel uncomfortable, but I don't care because that's the, that's a part of it. You're going to say crazy things. You're going to do crazy things. You're going to believe radical things and you might be all by yourself, but it's a part of it because God wants to see how crazy and radical you can actually be. Don't take that the wrong way. He just wants to see how you react to situations because how you react to certain things is the reflection of your faith. And some people do things because they are afraid or they do things because there is a reward or they do things because they believe. And so I did more and more things that I just believed in. I started believing in myself. And I started to see what I was capable of while believing in him. And, um, you know, but at the same time, I was still doing ratchet stuff. You know, I was still doing ratchet stuff. I was still using men, giving my body away as, a, you know, exchanging my body as a currency. And I got into some pretty compromising positions because of it. I got into some pretty compromising positions because of that. And you'll continue to go through this cyclical experience until you finally surrender. And so I called my grandmother this morning because, like I said, she's very 
very spiritually inclined and she's been through a lot. And I said, Grandma, what is the first and the most important part of being intimate with Christ? And she says, surrender. Simply surrender. Sacrifice. Give everything to Christ. Give him every part of your existence, from your head to your toe, from all of your abilities, from your thoughts to your desires to everything. Give him everything. Because if it wasn't for him, you would be nothing. Mm. Surrender. Surrender. Sacrifice. Give him everything. That means make every aspect of your life about him. With no remorse. None. Believing that you're here for him. You were sent here to be him walking on this earth. And when we go back to intimacy... You know, I, I like to highlight intimacy because especially with a husband and wife, because we're, you know, this is bride tribe. So we're talking about Jesus as husband and Jesus as the husband is uh, that's my husband. I'm intimate with him. All of that is with him. All that intimacy, the sharing, the vulnerability, the time spent, the you know, my comfort and my safety, all of my experiences. We share moments together. He shows me that he's with me through my experiences, especially when I'm in a bad situation. And it builds intimacy. It builds that trust. Jesus is my husband. Isaiah, let's go to some scripture. Isaiah 54, 5. Isaiah 54, 5 says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. He is your redeemer. He is your husband. And in 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2, it says, For I feel a divine jealousy. I'm glad he said divine jealousy. <laughs> it's, je- it's jealousy on a whole nother level. I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. And before I go any further, I have to highlight Hosea. For those of you that are not familiar with Hosea's story, God told Hosea to go and marry a prostitute and to have children with her. And this is during a time where Israel was rebelling and worshiping other gods. And, and you know, this is after God took them out of Egypt. And God is like, hold on, wait a minute. I paid a price for you. <laughs> you belong to me. And you're out here worshiping other gods. You are unfaithful. You unfaithful Israel. And so he told her to marry a prostitute because he looked at Israel as a prostitute. And he always talks about how he talked to her tenderly in her youth, you know, before she went off and started doing what prostitutes do. But he still loved her, even though she was a prostitute. But he had to punish her and take things away from her so that she can change her ways and come back to him because he has a divine jealousy, but also divine love for her. He knows her worth because he bought her. And when God buy you, that's, that's the eternal money. That's money that don't even got a price. And so there's nothing on this earth that can pay for you. And so he tells Hosea to go and marry Gomer. They have three children together. And Gomer is still has a prostitute mentality. She still feels like she needs to go out. You know, and, and there's another scripture, Hosea 2, 14 through 17. It says, she said, I will go after my lovers who give me food and my water. 
Remember, we talked about water. My wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. So then he says, therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. So she will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. And verse 8 says, and, and then she will say, I will go back to my husband at, <laughs> as at first. For then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for Baal. And so God is saying, I gave you everything, your breath, your life, your gifts, your beauty, your mind. And you just went and squandered it and wasted it on false gods or on men that believe themselves to be God or on, or, or on other experiences and worldly desires. You went and squandered what I paid for you. But I want you to come back to me because regardless of that, you're still worth more than what you're selling yourself for. You are a treasure to him. A treasure that every man is not going to appreciate. You're a treasure that every man can't, uh, can't put a price on. They can't value it. No man can come up with the amount of money or the amount of anything. They can try, just like when the devil offered Jesus the world. Jesus knew that the world was nothing compared to the riches and the glory of God. And so that's what that is. And so even though you go away and do your own thing and you, you know, you're unfaithful and you're promiscuous and you're giving your, your body away and all of that. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. So although Hosea married this prostitute, Hosea, Hosea didn't look at the fact that she was a prostitute. He looked at the fact that she was a child of God because that was more important. And so you can hold on to these negative experiences and you can believe that Jesus won't accept you or that you, there's no place here for you. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's a place here for everybody because I didn't been close to prostitution. By the grace of God, I made it out of that alive and mentally well. Like I said, I didn't um, experience drugs. Like I said, I was promiscuous. Okay, like I said, I didn't, uh, you know, I was very clever with, with, <laughs> I was very clever with um, documents. If I needed something to be done, you know, or something to get to pass through, I was that person. I really was. And he accepted me. And he loved me. And he told me I was worthy. And he told me he wanted an intimate relationship with me. And so it doesn't matter what you've been through. And just the fact that you have been through things, that is what builds the intimacy. Because someone loves you when you feel like you cannot be loved. Someone thinks about you when you feel like no one's thinking about you. Someone is there for you when no one else is there for you. And so there, there's, there's three levels to intimacy. This is going to be a, a fairly long episode, and you might, I, we might make it a, a part one and part two. But there is a fair amount of times and testimonies that I have personally where I have experienced God, even in the most simplest form. He is my husband because if I had a husband, 
he's <laughs> he would be doing everything that Yeshua is doing. If I had, a, you know, if I had a husband, he would be a provider. Yeshua is that. If I had a husband, he would be someone that helps me make decisions. Yeshua is that. If I had a husband, he would be the one that comforts me and that, um, you know, makes me feel like my voice is being heard. Yeshua is that. If I had a husband, he would, you know, help me work things out. He would, he would, he would, <laughs> he would be that extra set of hands. Yeshua is that. I've been in situations where Yeshua has sent people to help me. And I would be so angry, like, God, I don't have a husband. I don't have nobody else. Da, da, da. And they'd be like, hi, ma'am, do you need some help? <laughs> he literally has allowed me to not have anybody to call on just so that I can call on him. Yeshua is that. Someone that knows you more than you know yourself, Yeshua is that. Somebody that listens to you go on and on about a situation that happened, Yeshua is that. And he would also correct you like, you know what? No, I don't agree. You shouldn't have did it that way. You know, you were at fault. And sometimes he'd be like, you know, you're right. He'll show you confirmation like, you're right. You know, they they didn't do that right. If he convicts me about something, I will be the first person to be like calling somebody like, hey, I'm sorry. And then sometimes he would be like, no, no, they hard ain't right. You know, they didn't do that right. And so that's kind of the, those conversations that you have with your husband, right? And so there's different levels of intimacy and um I went to MBG Relationships. It's a mindbodygreen.com. And it's an article on here called The Types of Intimacy Besides Sex. And, um, there, um, and, and so what's presented here is that there are four levels of intimacy. And um, those four levels of intimacy are emotional intimacy, experiential intimacy, intellectual intimacy and spiritual intimacy and so your emotional intimacy is about sharing your thoughts and your fears um, it's about being comfortable with someone having comfort feelings of safety being able to share your emotions your fears um, without feeling judgment um, what you want your experiences your interactions with people your insecurities what you need to be, you know, to feel secure if you're not, you know, happy about a certain way something is happening, being able to share that and express that in an environment that's not abusive or judgmental, like I said, or in an environment that dismisses your feelings, dismisses your emotions. Your fears, your insecurities, like, ah, uh, you know, you always doing something like that. You, you know, it's the proper way to react to somebody's emotional expressions is to nurture it. Whether you agree on it or whether you don't agree on it, just say, I understand how you feel. And even if you don't agree with it, to nurture and to love on that expression while telling them they were wrong. The issue is that. So that's an emotional intimacy. Another type of intimacy is intellectual intimacy. And that is that type of intimacy where you kind of bounce opinions off of each other. You want to get to know each other's rationale about certain things. And, you know, you might like a book and you want to talk about a book. And, you know, you want to debate on whether or not the book was right or the author was right or whether or not education is important. And, um, you know, uh, 
who played the best role in a movie and, you know, just discussing the purpose of existence. And, you know, and, and it's it's nothing to start an argument about. It's a it, it is a healthy debate. It's healthy disagreements. It's healthy um, dissecting of politics and cultural topics and controversial topics. It's so that you're, you, you know, this is an intellectual intimacy so that you know, you know, what each other is passionate about. And in that same way, Yeshua is that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Yeshua finds intelligence very attractive. Okay, he really, really is attracted to the mind because it is all about the renewal of the mind. It's all about he really wants to see the dexterity of your mind. He really, really does, because like, of course, he's doing heart work. And as he's doing the heart work, the heart is speaking to the mind. And so, you know, before it's the mind speaking to the heart and telling the heart what to do but when you start with the heart and let the heart speak to the mind the mind starts to develop this type of wisdom (laughs) and this dexterity about how you go about life and how you apply what you feel in your heart to the interactions you have with people and so when Yeshua changes you once he starts correcting you and once he starts shifting your perspective and the way you see the world I mean he is so attracted to the growth of your mind, the renewal of your mind, and how you think differently and how you use wisdom moving forward. The third uh, level of intimacy, experiential intimacy, and that is going through experiences with somebody. And in those moments really change the level of intimacy that you have with your partner. And this is so important because it's really those experiences that change the level of intimacy. When you go through something with somebody, your connection can either get deeper or it can go sour. You know, sometimes when people lose children together or something, you know, it's just when they don't go toward each other, when they're experiencing this, it usually goes sour. But when they go toward each other, when they experience, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly are just moments of, like, accomplishments, moments of breakthroughs or a lot of couples go through like financial crisis together and they come out of it together and they they share this memory and the memories and the moments they have so much value and it's hard to really let that value go it's hard to forget about those moments it's hard to really step away from somebody when you've experienced so much with them And that can be good and bad, right? Because sometimes you experience a lot of moments with people that are unhealthy for you. And it's hard to let go because you have these memories and you have these moments that you've shared together where you've been through things together when that person was there all the time. And, you know, even though that person is not the one for you, you stick around and you stay with that person because you've experienced these moments. Um, The one good thing about Yeshua is that He's somebody that you don't have to walk away from. <laughs> you 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 literally go through these moments with him and you have these experiences and you run these marathons with him and you've you've got all these testimonies of times that he's shown up in the very last moment or the very last minute. You know, you went through some crazy stuff, but he brought you out. It's just like y'all went through these things together and you know it because 
all the, you know, the whole time you went through these things, you saw signs and wonders, signs and wonders, confirmations, like just be patient, just be patient. And you did. And then you came out of it and you saw the reward. You saw the whole purpose of the experience. And it's like you continue to grow this relationship with Yeshua and you cannot forget about what you've gone through, what you've been through with him. That is experiential intimacy. And a lot of us have those experiences with those that we love and our significant others. And it's the same thing with Christ. You go through these experiences with him and that's really what builds intimacy and trust and I'll share a couple of testimonies with you guys about that. And the last level of intimacy is spiritual intimacy. And the spiritual intimacy is praying and worshiping, quietness, going in your prayer closet, doing things together, appreciating the wonders of the world together, appreciating how beautiful the sun is on the horizon of the ocean how miraculous it is to see a safari of elephants and zebras and lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> how beautiful it is to look at a stream or a waterfall and appreciate God's wonder and doing that together, just being in this, uh, um, this, this, this gratitude and this oneness and together connecting to the source and together abiding in the source and appreciating the source and praying together and being obedient together and being in communion together. That is spiritual intimacy. And so of course he is the spirit, right? And so the intimacy with him is, it, it is that same thing. It is just gratitude. It's worship, it's prayer, it's peace, it's quietness, it's taking the moment to be in the moment with him. So those four levels of intimacy are very important. And overcoming the fear of intimacy really starts with building the intimate relationship with self. And we're going to stop there. We're going to save the rest for our intimacy part two, because I didn't realize that that intimacy with, with God, it, it has so much backstory and it is, it has so much. And honestly, you know, I'm going to have to really talk about this, you know, with Princess when she comes back. And I know you guys are like, where's Princess? Well, she's going to be back. Her son was feeling sick this this week. Her children, they had coughs and she just couldn't make it for this recording. But intimacy is 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 very, 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 very. If I can say very a trillion times, I would say very important to Yeshua. He wants all of this as if he was your husband, literally. And for the man, he wants <laughs> he wants all of this as if he was your wife. I know that sounds weird, but um, he wants all of this as, as, as if he is your husband. Yeah, a husband type of intimacy. And so he's covering us, literally preparing us for the intimacy that he wants us to have with each other. But that intimacy has to start with self. So he'll take you through a great number of lessons. He'll put you through a few obstacles. He'll train you to hear, to see, to perceive revealings and signs, confirmations and wonders. And you'll keep elevating. He'll do it differently on different levels because it's a training ground. This is a training ground, as I said earlier. 
Um, and that training ground prepares us for the revelation, of course. Um, it's Christ preparing for his bride. And this is so that you are able to recognize and appreciate the intimacy of the husband that he's going to send you. And not only recognize, but also require. <laughs> because it's not too many people that you're going to allow to take his place unless they are in alignment with what he's done for you and how he's nurtured you and how he's treated you. And that is that intimacy with self. Christ is in you. And because you're intimate with him, you're intimate with yourself. You're learning more and more about yourself. You're taking on more. You're believing in yourself. You're walking through this life fearlessly because you've been more intimate with yourself. You've been loving on yourself to consider yourself first. Walking and being intimate, this is a part of that process. This is a part of building that intimacy with self. And so I'm going to share with you guys how I built intimacy with myself and how I continue to build intimacy with myself. And when I say intimacy with myself, I'm saying intimacy with Christ. And he is working on me. And and so we're going to do part two of intimacy in our next session. And you guys are going to really, really love it and enjoy it. We're going to talk about our personal testimonies um, and how we've had to endure some things and how it's really regenerated us, regenerated our minds, regenerate how we look at the world, how we deal with people um, and what it really looks like to be transformed. You know, what, what is the process of transformation? A lot of people don't really know that. A lot of people don't know how to look at the signs. A lot of people don't know how to read things. A lot of people don't know how that numbers speak to us, that um, things don't just happen by chance. It's all intentional because he's intentional. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you so much for listening to The Bride Tribe today. Please join us next Monday for our part two on intimacy. This is something you really do not want to miss. Um, and if you feel it in your heart to support us, you can donate to the African Rose Foundation, a.k.a. The Ark, by going to africanrose.org slash bride tribe. And you can find a donation link on our website. But until then, I just want you guys to be blessed, be humble, be vigilant, and be loving. And until then, be bridal. Love y'all. Bye-bye.